Good morning, I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor and uh, I'm excited to, to dive into God's word. We're in the season of Advent. You know, Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day. And it gives us the chance to experience the powerful meaning that Christmas has when you follow Jesus. Like that's what Advent's about. And so as we look at the themes of Advent, we're not asking, what do you want for Christmas? We're not asking that. Instead, our sermon series that we're looking at is what we need from Christmas or what we need for Christmas. And so that's the question. What do you need for Christmas? If Christmas is this reality of God come to earth, what do you need from that? Uh, And so last week, you know, Advent week one, we saw that what we need is a promise. We need a promise from God that in our struggles, in our struggles, God will accept us even if we haven't lived as he wants us to. Christmas gives us that, that promise. But this week, in Advent week two, Christmas shows us that we need a community from God. So we need a promise from God. We need a community from God. And the second Advent candle, oh man, we didn't do it right, y'all. No one caught us on this. We're supposed to have the first candle already lit. It's supposed to already be lit. We're only supposed to light the second candle today during the service. Good news is that God loves us even when we don't do what we're supposed to do. So there we go. So yes, the second Advent candle is called the Bethlehem candle. And the theme of the Bethlehem candle is community. It's community. So I want to do a quick shout out to our kids. Kids that are here online that are walking away right now. Um, Kids that are with their parents, um, but also kids at home. Um, and, and again, not only to the kids, but, but parents and families and even single folks, anyone who's tuned, on, tuned in online, we love you. And I know that some of you can't be here because just medically, it's not a wise thing for you to be here. We support you being online. We support you tuning in. And I just want you to know that as difficult as it is, as prone as you are to distractions when you're online, I just want you to know that the effort that you make to connect to our church online God will meet you in that, and he will speak to you today. And so know that, know that. We know it's difficult. We know that um, it's, just, it's, it's just challenging. It's fraught with distractions. And so God is with you, though, even if you're online. But I do want to shout out to the kids, and I want to ask the question, do you have a nativity scene at home in your Christmas decorations? Do you have nativity scenes, right? And, and I want to ask the question, who's in the nativity scene? Who are the people, like who are the little figurines that are at the nativity scene? Right, well, of course it's Jesus, right? Jesus is there. Then you got Mary and Joseph. You've got the angels and the shepherds and then the magi, right? Um, the magi, they're also called the wise men. Well, well, can I tell you a secret? There's a secret, kids. You might need to tell your parents this later because some people set up the nativity scene. They set it up all wrong. Right, you got the manger, and you got Jesus and the mother, you know, Mary and Joseph and the, and the shepherds and the angel over the head. And a lot of people put the magi in the manger. Actually, that's probably not accurate. Okay. Actually, the magi don't show up until later. And, and, and some people would say that the Bible would teach us that the, the magi maybe don't even show up until two years after Jesus was born. And so, um, we're going to look at that a little bit later. But, um, but so if you're setting up the, the nativity scene, if you have any control kids over where the pieces go, 
you can like put the magi like a couple of feet away from the from the manger. Or you can put them on the other side of the room. And then, you know, on Christmas Day, like after that, until you put your Christmas decorations away, you can have the magi getting closer and closer. Um, so that's just free. Um, but what's cool, though, is that this group, the people that are gathered around the baby Jesus, they teach us a lot about the community that Jesus gives us as a gift. Okay, Jesus gives us community as a gift, and Bethlehem shows us the kind of community that Jesus wants for the whole world. So, because frankly, we all need community. Okay, every single one of us, we all need people in our lives, even the non-people people, right? I get it that not all of you are extroverts, not all of you are people people, but we all need people in our lives who understand us, who care about us, who encourage us and even challenge us to grow. Like all of us need people like that. We need people with us in the highs and the lows. And we really do need people who understand the gospel. We need people who know the promises of Christmas and the blessings that Jesus brings to us. And God says that we need this community because God and the authors of the Bible are very honest about our struggles. So I want to read for us Romans 7, verses 18 to 24. And I want you to see this is why we need community, okay? So Romans 7, verses 18 to 24, they're in your bulletin. Um, They'll also be on on the screens for those of you who are tuning in online. It says this. (laughs) This is real, y'all. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? This is the Bible getting real. And when the Bible gets real, it's rough. It's rough. And God actually inspired an apostle, one of the followers of Jesus, one of the first leaders of the church. God inspired Paul to write this so that you could know that if you experience anything like this in your own life, you're not alone. The Bible gets real because God wants us to know that we're not alone. I want to go back over some of the, and highlight some of these verses. In verse 18, for I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. Classic, right? Classic. This is all of us. Like, I want to do right, but I can't. Verse 20, the sin that dwells within me He's saying it feels like there's this presence inside of me that wants to do wrong stuff. 
It feels like a, it, it's, 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 it's in me. There's this presence in me. Verse 21, I find it to be a law. What this is saying is like, here's my life. This is kind of how it works. It's like a law. This is how it works. This is how my life works. When I want to do right, evil is close at hand. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Verse 23, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So there's this other, there's like two things that are battling inside of me. And this other thing, this this law of sin, it's waging war. Like sin's ways are in me. The struggle is in me. Like I don't want all the time good things, but even I do want good things, I still don't do the good things. Sin is powerful and it's demanding. It's always like crouching, ready to like jump out and spring out at me. Sometimes it catches me unaware. Sometimes I'm really familiar with how it comes and attacks me, but it is powerful and it's demanding and I feel like I'm its slave. Man, the war is real and I don't always win. And the guy who wrote half the New Testament in verse 24 says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He's like, who can save me from these things that I do, from this body of mine that has these desires that do things that produce death? Man, when we are acquainted with this part of who we are, when we come face to face with this part of who we are, we desperately need the promise of Christmas, right? We need the promise from last week that Jesus came to save us from our sins. But Bethlehem, okay, Bethlehem teaches us that sometimes the promise of God is not enough. Sometimes God's promises are not enough. So is this blasphemy? I hope not because it's reality. Like if it's blasphemy, then we're all in trouble. But I would suggest that that Christmas, even Christmas itself shows us that God in heaven is not enough. Right? God in heaven is not enough for us. We know that. How? Why? Well, because of Christmas. Because on Christmas, God entered into our existence. God took on flesh. We needed God to come down and be with us. We needed God's promise of forgiveness and acceptance and what Chad shared with us earlier. Like Christmas is the price of our redemption. In order for God to forgive us, he had to come and die for us. Like salvation is free to us, but it wasn't free to God. And so we need God's promise of forgiveness and acceptance, but often those promises are not enough In fact, we also need a community to bring us back to God when we are far away. For most of us, when we are feeling like we're in Romans 7, when when our life looks like what this passage is describing, when we're in that place, we usually feel far away from God. We usually don't feel close to him. Oftentimes when this is how we're living in Romans 7, we can't even hear God's promises. Because usually we're not thinking about God. 
Or sometimes we might know his promises, but we think, well, these promises don't apply to me. We wonder, like, how could God love us after what we did? How could God love us when we're still in the same struggle? How could God love us when we react in this way? And those things cause us to, to, to doubt God's promises. Sometimes we're at a place where we feel like we have to atone for our sins by beating ourselves up. And when it's us and our sinful struggle, when it's us and our struggle with brokenness, sometimes God's promises are just not enough to break through, to bring us back in to God's presence because we feel so far away. Have you ever asked the question, does God still love me? Have you ever said like, how could God love me if I'm still like this? It's in moments like that, right? Moments when you say, man, if God were really in my life, shouldn't I be better than this? There's a whole set of questions. There's this voice that goes off in our head, and that's not a voice that comes from God. But when we're doubting God's promises, we feel like we've departed from God, man, or sometimes we think, I know God's promises are true. They just aren't true for me. That's why we need community. Like this is why we need people outside of ourselves who can speak into us. Okay, community is all about acceptance and encouragement, right? You need this. You need, you need someone to challenge you, to, t- to, to push you to grow in your faith. Like we need this, especially if you want your life to matter. If you want to do anything worthwhile, anything meaningful for God, you can't do it alone. You're not strong enough to do it on your own. If you want to grow and to change, you need the challenge and the encouragement of others. And so we need people in our lives who know the promises of God, who can remind us both to give us the comfort that comes from God's free grace and his salvation, and we need the challenge to our faith, the challenge to call us to grow and to make progress in our faithfulness. It seems like, especially when we're struggling uh, with feeling like we're broken, um, that's especially when Romans 7 is our reality. We need people in our lives. And when we have them, okay, when we have them, they do three things for us. They convince us first that we're not crazy, right? Because sometimes you think like, how could I possibly be this way? How could I possibly think this? How could I possibly want this? How could I possibly do this? How could I possibly have said this? And you need someone in your life who can look at you and say, you're not crazy. In fact, you're normal. So people tell us in community that we're not crazy. They tell us that we're not alone. And they tell us God's promises are still true for us. Sometimes because I'm a pastor, people tell me things. Um, But even beyond being a pastor, just in friendships and even with my family, um, there's times when people have come to me and they've told me things that they have done and I can tell that they're at the end of their rope. I can tell that they have They've excommunicated themselves. They've thought like, there's just no way God could still love me. 
and I say, well, what's happened? What have you done? Or what's going on? And they tell me. And the presence of God becomes thick. God's spirit descends in that moment. And I say, you're not the only one who deals with this. You're not the only one who struggles with this. I know exactly how you feel. Sometimes I say, you know what? My sin struggle is not what you're describing for me. But I still know exactly how you feel. I still get it. I know what it's like to feel like you've done so much and you're so far gone. This is what community does for us. Convinces us that we're not crazy, we're not alone, and that God's promises are still true. I think that when we say that God's promises are not enough, I think that there are things that God has in store for us or things that God wants us to experience that he will not give to us apart from community. Like there are blessings that God has in store for you in your life that he will not give you until you connect to someone else in community, until you become open, until you become vulnerable, until you begin to, um, to confess what you're dealing with. There are things that Jesus has planned for you, blessings that he has for you, and he's waiting for you to open up. He's waiting for you to reach out into community. And this is the kind of community that, that the gospel produces. You know, from an Advent perspective, we need people who understand week one. We need community that understands the, God, the, the promises of God so that they can help us not only know the promises of God, but help them understand how they apply to us. Promises of unity and community, of acceptance and love and grace. Like in this community, in the community of Jesus followers, no one is arrogant because Romans 7 is the description of all of us. Like if this is who you are, you're not better than anyone else. And this community knows this. It teaches you to say, like, I get it. I get it. it teaches you to say, you know what? We both have the same Savior. I stand by God's grace and so do you. It's not about how good you or I are. It's about how good Jesus is. And this community also believes that the promises of God make a difference in our lives. That God has given power to his people and his people then take responsibility. We want to live our lives in response to what God has done and we want to stand together in his power. We want to remind ourselves that we have Jesus inside of us. We have God's Holy Spirit empowering us to live differently. And so we want to push against, like Chad was saying, it was so inspiring when he was talking about how even our giving is an act of pushing back the darkness. And this is what we need. People that will stand with us so that we can strive together to be a new family. People that are committed to God and to each other who have a drive to want to change things and fix things and renew our city one relationship at a time. Now, I hope I've convinced you that you need this, but I've also talked to people who think, I'm not sure if I can find this in the community of our church. 
Like I look around and I think no one's going to understand me. No one is like me. I feel different. I don't feel like I necessarily belong. Like I can show up, I can be friendly, but I can't get real. And this is rough. Like if you feel this way, then you kind of build isolation around yourself. And I want to say something to you. I mean, think about it. Like if you're online at home, man, for nine months, we haven't seen each other, right? Like this is, it's a long time to be without in-person community. And I know not all of us are completely without community, but a lot of us are. And I just want to tell you that Christmas is the answer. Like Christmas is the answer to our need for community. In fact, Bethlehem is the answer. I want you to come to Bethlehem and see. See him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn king. Like as you come to Bethlehem, remember who is there at the nativity scene. I want to share these verses. These also are in your bulletin. Um, these are the folks that are there at the nativity scene in Luke 2, verse 1, and then 4 to 6, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Verse 4, Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Right, so this is Mary and Joseph there in Bethlehem. Well, then the angels and shepherds show up in Bethlehem. In Luke 2, verses 8 through 12, it says, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And so the angels and the shepherds are there in Bethlehem. And then we have the Magi in Matthew 2. Verses 1 and 2, and then verse 11, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, these are the magi, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. What I want you to see here is that this community in Bethlehem, all these people that gather together, they are nothing alike. They're nothing alike. Mary and Joseph, they were poor peasants. The Magi were wealthy royal advisors. There are the aristocrats that are mentioned in the book of Daniel. Mary and Joseph were Israelites. They were insiders. They were members of God's chosen nation. But the Magi were foreigners. They were outsiders from a land hundreds of miles away. The angels, they are beings from heaven. 
and the shepherds are people of the earth, right? And so what we see here are different races, different classes, rich and poor, heavenly and earthly, insiders and outsiders. I mean, when you think about it that way, could you imagine a people that were more different than this? Like in all these folks are gathered at the first Christmas in Bethlehem and they all have one thing in common. They worship. They worship. They all worship. Like worship was their response to the birth of Jesus. Like worship, this means like it wasn't about them, but it's about Jesus. And this is what makes this community gracious. What it makes this community accepting of others. It's people who are honest about their own need, right? It's worshiping Jesus. It frees you up to say, oh, if Jesus is the one that we're worshiping, if it's all about him, if it's his greatness, if it's his perfection, if it's his righteousness, then I can be honest that I really, really need this. That Romans 7 is a description of my own life and my own struggle with sin. And I need God's love and power, and so do you. And so no matter how different we might be here, gathered in a parking lot, no matter how different we are as we spread across and tune in online, if we worship Jesus, we're admitting our desperate need of his grace. And so we're all alike. We treat each other with grace. We don't condemn others. We don't freak out about their struggles because your sin is not worse than mine. We're all struggling and we all find hope in Jesus. And so Bethlehem gives us this snapshot of God's family. It's the community of Jesus. It's worshipers from every country, every class, every race, every background. Y'all, this is why our Christmas offering, a majority of it is going to support, for, to, to move our church across racial and ethnic boundaries. <clears throat> We're supporting David's harp because we want to battle the evils of racism. Because racism is a denial of Bethlehem. Racism is a denial of Christmas. Racism is a denial of the kingdom that Jesus came to bring. And so we need to worship Jesus and we need to act. We need to move. And so again, we're using our Christmas offering um, for David's harp, serving uh, black and Hispanic communities, mostly youth, right? Next week, we're going to be talking about how we're serving Servant Church and Alma Community Care. They're serving black and Hispanic communities um, in the greater Logan Heights area. And I'm excited to tell you this because we took a financial offering a couple months ago, as Brandon said, we took that offering and we gave money and we said this was a first step. Well, this Christmas offering is a second step because we're not just going to be giving money. We're doing money plus. We're doing money plus with the Christmas offering because come in January, I'm excited because in the new year, we're going to take further steps to, to our, we're going to add to our financial gift, our presence as a church. And there's going to be activities that we're all going to get to do to be with people, to, to go across lines, not just to send our money, but to go across uh, these racial and ethnic boundaries that plague our city 
and to try to be part of the solution. So stay tuned for details there in January. And so <clears throat> I want us to take action. I want us to take action. Um, how do we do this? Well, first, two, there's two things I want you to do. First, I want you to reach out to this community. I want you to give to this community, to our church. I want you to give of yourself. I want you to commit to being this Bethlehem community. So what does this mean? Well, I want you to step out and I want you to engage in relationships in our church. So maybe it's one person this week that you're going to reach out to. Um, and, and I'm encouraging you to like step out and see if someone is safe right? This doesn't mean that you walk up to someone after the service and bear all of your deepest, darkest secrets. Although if the spirit is moving you to do that, maybe you need to do that. Maybe that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to finally come out. He wants you to finally come clean. He, finally, he wants you to finally include someone else in the midst of your hardest struggle. But maybe you need to take a baby step. I have a coach who says, sometimes our baby steps need baby steps. And I like that. Um, but maybe you want to just step out and Share something small that you're dealing with and see how they respond. Maybe this week you want to reach out and, and just express to someone what you're dealing with and then find out, do they care? Are they concerned? You can ask them to pray for you and then see how they respond. And if they respond well, then that's God encouraging you maybe to take another step and to be and to, uh, to reach out to this community. Um, there's all kinds of people today that'll say, how are you doing? And I realize that sometimes we just say that as another way to say hi, but maybe that could be an invitation from God for you to build deeper community here in our church. Maybe you could say, hey, well, do you have a minute? I would like to share how I'm doing with you. And then again, you see how they respond. Um, I think also in reaching out to this community, I also want to encourage you both to give to the Christmas offering and then also to support our church. The last month of the, of the year is a, is, needs to be the biggest month giving for us. And so I want to encourage you to, to support our church financially as a way to reach out to, by supporting our church financially. Um, and so reach out to this community. And then second, I want you to be this community for others. Okay? Sometimes I know if you're like me, you want someone to come to you and to ask you how you're doing. You want someone to stop everything and make you the center of their world for a moment so that they can show you that they care. Like I remember, um, this is a few years ago, I was, let's see here, this is a while ago, like four or five years ago, I don't know. Um, but I remember thinking, I don't think it's, I don't think anybody knows that it's their job to ask me how I'm doing. Like, I think everybody thinks that someone else is checking in with me. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's not a good thing. <laughs> I mean, it's okay if, if someone actually is doing that, but when someone's not doing that, like, I, I, I shouldn't be alone, right? Like, somebody needs to know it's their job to ask me how I'm doing. And, and so, um, so I actually went to a couple of people and I said, hey, I really need you for the next season to at least reach out to me once a week and ask me how I'm doing. So that can be part of you opening yourself up to reaching out. But then also there's a call for you to be this community to others. Like it's important. Sometimes you're the one who has to go first. And, and it's, it, it's hard, it's rough, it's difficult, but Jesus will meet you there. And so I want you to be this community for others. 
ask other people, how are you doing? And mean it. You know, if they give you sort of a pat answer, you can say, well, I hope that, I mean, that's great. I want you to know that I really do want to know. Like, I really do care about how you're doing. So asking people how you're doing can be a good way to begin to be this community for others. Um, you can ask a question, how's your relationship with God going? You know, like what's new with you and Jesus? Um, and just listen, listen and care. Um, you can ask question, how can I pray for you? Um, is there something this Christmas season that you want to see God do? And can I pray for that? I mean, these are ways, just simple ways that you can reach out and you can be this community for someone else. Um, I want to tell you that when you experience this kind of community that Bethlehem is a picture of, there are blessings that... There is so much glory. There is so much of the presence of Jesus when you reach out to care for others. When you convince someone else that you really care about them and you want to know what's going on in their lives, Jesus meets you in that place because Jesus wants this kind of community to flourish throughout the entire world. And it's almost like Jesus is waiting for you to step out and to ask someone, to engage with someone else. Um, and so I want to encourage you to do this because you'll experience more of your Savior. I want you to do this because this is actually what Jesus did for us when he came at Christmas. And so to reach out, to be community for others, um, it, is a, it is a priceless gift that gives, and you, when you give this, you receive back the affirmation and the love and the power of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to be this community. So many of us don't have this. And so Jesus, we ask for you to come. You have been community for so many of us and yet we're stunted in our growth because we're not connected to others. We pray that you would break through the walls, that you would help us to not be afraid. To not be afraid, but to seek out others. To be willing to be honest about what's going on in our lives and to care about what's going on in the lives of others. Deepen our community as a family here in our church. We pray that even when all of us are under this quarantine that you would help each of us to reach out to someone this week to give and to receive your love that we might walk with you and experience more of you. Thank you for reaching out to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, Derek's going to come up and he's going to lead us in our, in, in the, in our